You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. And we are brought to you by Oneness Ministries, grace-based, hope-filled, spirit-led counseling and life coaching. To learn more about us, go to our website at oneness-ministries.org. We're also brought to you by Marshall Fence, the premier residential and commercial fence company in Oklahoma City metro area. Contact them at 405 405- 691-1191, or just drop by and see them at 9513 South Shields. Thank you for listening, and I have a guest today that I'm really excited about. He's my friend, he's a golf buddy, and we work in the same building, and his name is Frank Melter. Welcome, Frank. Thank you, Rick. Um, Gosh, how long have you been with Fusion. It will be five and a half years. Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Five and a half glorious years. Uh, glorious <laughs> years. You're absolutely right. Very glorious years. Yeah, well, I worked part-time. Well, I still work part-time. I worked full-time for a while for them. And, um, I'd rather be doing this, actually. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I think it's a good place to be, It is without a, good, a doubt. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, your a little history, where you're from, and uh, I'm, I'm originally from Minnesota, Cannon Falls, Minnesota. I was uh, raised during my adolescence there. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jen and I got out of the military and uh, spent 10 years in the military. And then we uh, moved down to Oklahoma. Uh, Jen had her parents and her grandparents down here. So we thought it would be a good place to start. How long uh, ago was that? That was uh, pretty close to 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah, so it's been it's been a while, and uh, so we got out of the military. We moved what, what, to what branch were you in? I was in the Navy, CBs. Navy? Yeah, CBs. Yeah, okay, Navy CBs. Uh, and then uh, we went ahead and uh, packed up and moved to Oklahoma, and uh, it's just been a real wonderful place to live to to be around. Fantastic people. Yeah, um, I would agree. That, yeah, it, it's been incredible. Uh, but anyhow, we got here and and uh, got right out into the uh, field looking for jobs and picked up a job at Exxon Mobil where I worked twenty years. Twenty. Twenty years. years wow. And uh, moved on from there. And uh, a man by the name of Mister Rick Sosa was an engineer at Exxon Mobil. And then he went on to uh, Sandridge. By the way, Rick Sosa is the one that owns the company here, Fusion. Yes. And uh, that we've both worked for. Great, great guy. Fantastic. Yep. And uh, he invited me over to Sandridge to, uh, to start up a maintenance program there. So I spent three and a half years with him there. And then he moved on to start his start own the, business. Okay, a maintenance program. What tell us what that is? Yeah, that's a that's a program that they didn't have in place at the time mm-hmm. for all of their electrical infrastructure. Oh, okay. So what they had asked me to do was to come in and generate uh, preventative maintenance plans, inspections, um, just standard maintenance. Wow. How uh, do you learn procedures? To, how do you learn to do that? Well, it's just uh, it, it, it's something that I did at Exxon Mobil for twenty years. Okay, so okay. it was I was kind of 
raised in that type of atmosphere um, where you did that, the PDMs, the, the predictive maintenance, the preventive maintenance, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Did you do any of that kind of stuff? In the Navy and the CBS? We, I did a little bit of, actually, I did a little bit of uh, airplane planning. Okay. Which was actually um, uh, putting together plans and uh, weight uh, weight calculations for loading airplanes. Wow. So that's kind of where it all started. Did you go to college for that? Uh, no. No, we had uh, we had sea schools in uh, in the Navy. And they would send you to these C schools and they would be anywhere from four to six months. And wow. you would learn how to do these types of functions. Did you have uh, what did your family think when you said we're going to Oklahoma? I think, uh, well, we had we had two kids at the time and they were very young. Okay. So we had a five year old and a three year old at the time. And uh so Jen was excited. Yeah, because her, she was yeah. excited to finally settle down because in the military, we were always up and and moving mm-hmm. and uh, traveling and yeah. that kind of thing. So it was nice to settle down. So Jen was really excited. The kids, you know, they were they were young, but uh, they came right along with us. Wow, look awesome. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you did you go? Okay, I gotta, I, I'm not sure. I'm gonna screw up the tech the technical terms of this. Were you ever on a ship in the ocean, or were you, did you always work for a, from a base? We I was never on a ship in the ocean. Okay, uh, Tour which of is duty which or is something like which is kind of funny for a Navy guy, yeah. guy to say, but I never was on a ship. Uh, my job was primarily shore duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did construction. I was a construction electrician, so uh, that was our function. We would uh, fly to all these bases, yeah. do some construction, build whatever we needed to build, and then we would head out. Gosh, that actually sounds like it was kind of fun. It it, it was fun. Yeah. Um, when I was in the battalion, and I was, uh, of course, married to Jen at the time, uh, that was a little bit rough. Yeah. I mean, we would go out for eight months at a time and then come back for six. And most of the time that you were back, you were spending it in schools. And the housing probably wasn't great for the Navy. No, not absolutely <laughs> great. <laughs> you are right on that. But uh, it was a roof over our heads. There you go. Well, that's what matters. Um, so you moved to Oklahoma. Um <clears throat> Were you still in the Navy when you moved to Oklahoma, or had you retired? Or I had uh, I had got out, and got so out. I did ten years, and then uh, Jen and I says, "Well, we really don't want to go back to battalion again, where I'll be separated from her and the kids." Okay, uh, so we decided at that point that we wanted to get out. So, did you? Where did you end up? What city did you move to in Oklahoma? We moved to Shawnee. So you've been in Shawnee. Yeah, we moved. We moved to Shawnee. Actually, we we lived in Shawnee for about two months, and then we moved to Prague. Mm. So we we lived in Prague, on a little ha- in a little house on Meadowbrook Drive, <laughs> and uh, enjoyed it there. Yeah. With beautiful, wonderful neighbors. Everything else, it kind of it kind of uh, brought us to that um, to. Uh, seeing the the great character of Oklahomans. Right, right. And uh, so so we 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 lived there for about 2 years and then uh, and then we moved to 
to Bethel Acres, where we reside now. Wow. Now you are um, a Christian. Yes. Um, how did how did you come to the Lord? I can't. You know, that's a funny thing because I was raised a Catholic, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, from there we uh, I got, went into the military, and I was really. I had a friend that really drew me to the Baptist uh, circle, and then, um, and then uh, you still with, you still like the guy? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a very he's a very good guy. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we so I was um, drawn in there. But you know, it wasn't until I met a gentleman that I worked with at Exxon Mobil. His name was Carl Bergen. Bless his soul. He passed away, uh, unfortunately, in a car accident. Oh, I'm sorry. But he was just such a tremendous guy. And he presented himself in a way that always honored the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it touched me in such a way that that was really the, the moment that I just saw, felt, and believed and uh that was where uh so that was in 1988 and uh he's the one that really brought me to the lord so you saw christ in this man in this man yes and wonderful man what an inspiration and uh and he's really the one that truly truly brought me to the lord and you know after that it was just uh just such a blessing because he was able to put me in a place where I was studious of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to talk to my dad and have all these conversations with him. Was was that, that something that was a problem in the past? No, no. Mm-hmm. I, I My dad and I always had a great relationship. It just wasn't always that relationship where we – we talked together about the Lord and that's about awesome. the word. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, after I came to Christ and um, just was blessed with the, uh, with meeting this gentleman, mm-hmm. um, that I was able to sit there and talk to my dad and we would talk once a week and we talk about, Bible and the verses and yeah. what it meant. And, you know, I would throw, open up my concordance and we would look at all of these things and, and, and we were really had the opportunity to really study together. Wow. And, uh, before my dad passed, uh, he was so confident, you know, that he was going to the Lord That's and awesome. that was such a yeah. blessing to me. Um, did, uh, Jen share this, uh, journey with you in Christ? She did. She absolutely did. And, and she saw, she saw the changes in me as well. And it was really a nice thing. And we, we started to go to church, a non-denominational, mm-hmm. um, church, life church. Life church. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we spent a lot of, uh, uh we spent a lot of Sundays growing together. Awesome. And that's it was, great. It's amazing. Yep. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this interview with you is that you've just recently survived COVID. I did. And um, 
Can you talk a little bit about your brother's experience? I can. My brother had just uh, took a trip to Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, he was having uh, uh, a trip with his family, his children, and his wife. Uh, and this was right at probably just before it, COVID really hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. It was in February. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came back from from. Mexico. They flew back from Mexico and he flew to his home in South Carolina. His children lived in Minnesota. And uh, when he was in South Carolina, he said that he had felt he wasn't feeling really good and that. And his kids asked him to come up to Minnesota. Mm. He says, if we're going to take care of you, we want you up here. So him, him and his wife traveled to Minnesota. They flew to Minnesota and was there with their children about a day and a half and uh and he uh, ended up getting relatively sick at least sick enough that he needed to get into the hospital the you know the real sad thing about that was that his once he was tested positive for covid mm-hmm. in the hospital uh his wife had to be quarantined and at that time, it was quarantined for 14 days. Yeah. So while he was in the hospital and his health was progressively getting worse and worse, she couldn't visit him. Uh, and he was his health was getting to the point where he couldn't talk on the phone. He, he was really having a real, real hard time. And then eventually he ended up on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he couldn't talk to her at that point. And uh, he was in an induced coma and that. Um, and then eventually the uh, pneumonia got so bad that uh, it started, everything started shutting down on him. Oh, so, uh, so that was, a, it, it was really a tough, tough experience uh, for them uh, in Minnesota, his children and his wife. And, uh, uh, but uh, but they're towards the end before um, they had to just shut everything down. Uh, they allowed his son, which was a nurse, to be able to go in. Oh, that's him. good. Yeah. And we were all able to FaceTime uh, and say our last words with Scott and our prayers for him and his family. So it was a it was a tough time, but. They celebrated his life in a way that was incredible. Uh, his family did a parade. They they had the whole city did a parade. Really? For him. He was uh, represented on the primary news channel there in that, uh, in that city, uh, in that area. And uh, just an incredible um, life story of him and the participation and the, the prayers for the family and everything else were tremendous. Awesome. Yep. So, so just recently you were diagnosed positive. Tell us about your experience and the reason, okay. I, I don't want this to come across as something morbid or, you know, uh, COVID's obviously dangerous, 
But most of us have a 99.97%, well, I guess 99.6% chance of survival. Sure. And you never, you'd never think that you'd be one of those people. 0.0 something percent people. Yeah, Yeah. that and never think that you'd be one of those people to be able to come out of something like this or an experience like this and be able to look at it as an incredible, incredible blessing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it was was, uh, seven days of struggle. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, um, I, I wouldn't, I have never had pneumonia. Uh, certainly not, uh, double lung pneumonia, um, lung and or pneumonia in both lungs. But, uh, it was, it was, uh, something that was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be for sure. Um, so what, I, what were the initial symptoms like? The initial symptoms were, you know, I started out with the COVID with a pretty, pretty good headache. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it started into the body chills and felt like flu symptoms, yeah. much like flu symptoms. Uh, then it, uh, progressed into, uh, labored breathing. Were like, you coughing a lot? I was coughing, but not incredibly so. Okay. But just, but enough, mm-hmm. and um, but more. It was more so the labored breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have asthma and uh, severe allergies, so it was. Uh, you know, I have a nebulizer at home, so it was one of those things that I could pick up and. And if my breathing got bad enough, I would sit there and I would uh, uh, do a breathing treatment, okay. you know, and that kind of thing. And that would help me get through, you know, for a while. Uh, so it was really about seven days after I was diagnosed that I really um, started feeling to the point where I told Jen on I think it was, I was diagnosed on Monday and I told Jen on Monday of the next week that I couldn't, I just, I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I would walk maybe 15 feet and uh, just have a real struggle breathing. So at that point I told her I really needed to get to the doctor. And uh, so she took me to the emergency room and I got in there, and I was sitting probably at about 85% oxygen level. And so they put me on two liters of oxygen, did some x-rays, and then that was when they determined that I had uh, pneumonia. Pneumonia in both lungs. It yeah. just occurred to me that that's what double pneumonia means, yeah. both lungs. Yeah. Wow. Um, so... Did you, when they, when you were in the hospital, did you feel desperately sick or was it just the idea that you couldn't breathe? Initially, it wasn't a desperately sick situation. Uh, The first two days that I was in the hospital, I was able to use an extended cord and walk to the bathroom and walk back to my bed. I would saturate a bit on my oxygen Mm -hmm. where I would get down right around 87, but I would climb back up to right about 92. And and that was while I was on probably about two to 3% oxygen. Then it wasn't, uh, but the third day 
that uh, I really started having some real serious problems um, where they had had to bump my oxygen level up to 10. And it was a matter of just me getting up, moving to a chair to get out of the bed so that they could redress the bed and get back in that I would sat down to 80, 79. And so at that point, they felt that I needed to have more oxygen. So eventually on the fourth day, I was up to 15% oxygen. And that is the max. Okay, explain to us those levels. Two percent. So it's fifteen. It's it's fifteen liters of oxygen okay. is what I was at, and so you've got uh, you've got from zero to fifteen liters. That th- that's the scale that you can go on the oxygen before they have to come up with some alternative means of providing you, um, providing oxygen and to your typically lungs. Typically, that's a ventilator then the, then the ventilator will come yeah. in and actually work for you yeah work uh, allow your uh, or allow your lungs to function mechanically basically and which is something we don't want you don't want and and yeah. and, and, and everything that i've heard it, it you get to that point it, you, then you really hit the struggles and uh, uh, that and, and and progress more towards that um that point where you know, things can start shutting down and stuff like that, similar to what happened to my brother. Right. And so that was, that was the alarming point um, of this whole thing. Um, One thing I will say is um, that the hospital was absolutely fantastic. That's great. The nurses were wonderful. Um, I had a doctor and I don't know if I can say that's her name, but oh, her name was uh, Dr. Anderson. We will tell her And she that. was an absolute wonderful, wonderful doctor. She would visit me daily, take my hands, hold my hands, and pray over me for 15 minutes every time she came in to see me. And it was just phenomenal. She was, uh, she's most incredible uh doctor i've ever met uh really presented herself in the light of the lord and uh really was genuinely concerned uh, about my health and i'm sure anybody and everybody that she uh she was treating i, w- I want to get into um how god wrapped you in prayer but I, before we do that i want to Tell us about your wife's experience with this as well. My wife also was diagnosed with COVID as well. Um, her symptoms were very similar to mine um, in a lot of ways, with the exception that uh, she couldn't smell or, or taste very well. And uh, But uh, she, she had uh, a time where she was labor, labor, in her breathing mm-hmm. and that and she did eventually go to the emergency room where they were able to um get her at a, in a good place and uh they gave her uh, some uh steroids and some medicine and they were able to send her home now she didn't have the underlying problems like with asthma and correct that you had and, and that that complicated your I, that's correct. Okay. And I think that's one of the things that did complicate mine a bit more than 
birth was the fact that I was, uh, it, it was the fact of that I was having to deal with the asthma as well. And uh, really was on the end of one of my shots for my asthma. And uh, so it really kind of impacted me pretty rough. Mm. But she recovered and was able to go home. And she was, and, and she did. Um, my son was phenomenal. He would keep everybody posted. He, I mean, he was just absolutely concerned about his mom and dad. Uh, this is uh, my son, Michael. He was, he's uh, 30 years old now. Um, but uh, he was right there uh, taking care of the home and uh, taking care of our uh, daughter and, and that uh, while we were kind of incapacitated. Um. You, I, I know, I know for, I know that Fusion, the company we work for, had several prayer times for you. Um, in, 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 in our initial discussion, you said you felt the prayer. Oh, I did. And, and this is an amazing thing because it was really about the fourth day when I was really, really having a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor came in and prayed over me and that, and uh, it was just, I, I, you know, it's something that you just don't, you, you can't explain. It's just a feeling that, that there's a presence there, mm-hmm. you know, which is true. It absolutely, <laughs> but this is, it, it was different for me because it's something that you really I mean, you feel that, and you know that. You know, I go through every day knowing I know that God is here with me. I know these things. But you don't really, you don't physically feel that in a way where it it's almost like it it tingles your body yeah. or something like that where to say, hey, we're here. Yeah. You know, I'm here and feel me, you know, feel my presence. And that's what I felt. And that was the day that I really started turning for the better. And it was not only that, but of course, Jen, um, the next day, Jen was able to visit me as well. Um, that had to be, bring some hope. Oh, that, that impacted me beyond what you can understand because it is um it's a blessing to be married to such a wonderful woman and when you're away from her at at probably sometimes the most needed time uh it's just even expounds more on how important that is to have her in my life i'm trying to articulate what you just said about the the difference in the presence of God. We all experience a spiritual connection. Absolutely. And this went deeper in that you had a physical um, connection with God in this, in this, in this real almost hopeless moment. It's amazing. Um, It's amazing what God does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> but when you when you feel his presence, yeah. literally physically feel his presence, 
that's more than incredible. That's, that's yeah. the most incredible thing in the world. And that's what I felt. I just felt that. I felt that there were, and you know, I didn't even, I didn't even really know how many people were out there praying for me until I got out, mm-hmm. you know, and then it was, I had the whole church pray for you. Yeah. You know, the my brother, I have my whole church praying for you. My nieces and nephews, which sent us incredible care packages, uh, blankets and uh, snacks and food and, you know, flowers at home. It was just amazing. Wow. But I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that uh, that was happening except for just feeling God's presence. When you you felt this, and I'm just... I'm just asking questions. I hope they don't come across as dumb, but so what? Um, When you felt God's presence, were you able to make the distinction between, okay, God, I'm ready to come home if that's what you want, or, oh, this is going to, I'm going to survive this. Were you able to make a distinction between those two possibilities? I felt, I felt at that point that I was going to survive. Okay. I felt that yeah. with all my being um, and more so, <laughs> more so in the next couple of days that came. I mean, it was just evidence of his mercy, mm. his grace, um, because I had felt his presence. So it was just, a, it was just an incredible, incredible recovery. Forgive me. me. Forgive me for continuing to ask this question, but there was was there a moment when you said I'm not going to make it, and then all of a sudden you transitioned into Holy cow! I'm going to survive this. There was a moment when I was concerned. Yeah, and that was the third and fourth day when I started increasing on my oxygen and that kind of thing. That was my moment of concern. Mm-hmm. I, I through my dad and through our conversations and through our prayer and and our studies together and everything else, we got closer than any, than anything to that realization that death is not a bad thing. No, it's not. (laughs) So it was, we came to that, that, uh, that point where we no longer fear death. Because we know that after is life. It's the beginning of life. Actually, it's, when you're born, you start to die. And when you die, you start to live. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that was what uh, my dad and I were able to come to that point. And so you were at peace when he passed. And so we, I was at peace when he died. I was yeah. at peace when my brother Scott died. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if the Lord were to take me today, I'd be at incredible peace. Right. To say... Thank you, you know, I, and knowing that um, uh, that I'm going to be with him. But uh, um, it's it's a it's an incredible thing. But yeah, I mean, there was a point that I was very concerned, but not so much concerned about death as I was concerned about family. See, that's concerned. the amazing thing. That's the amazing thing. Yeah. We can, we, 
I can pass and I'll know, I know where I'm going to go. But the thing that bothers me is my wife. Sure. I'm going to leave her. That's absolutely right. And my yeah. kids. Yeah. And that's probably the toughest thing Yeah, because you, you have so many of them that you feel their love every day. Yeah. And to realize because you feel that true, uh, to true love that you know that what kind of impact that this would have on them. And so that's the, that's the toughest, probably the toughest thing. And so that was my concern. Yeah. That's, that would be my concern as well. I can hear them being the trash out there. (laughs) Can you hear it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess it's being recorded. Um, When, now that you're, are there lingering effects is what I'm trying to ask. You know, I I heard a report on the, I heard a report on the news last night. Some guy at OU was talking about that there can be lingering effects and fatigue and all that kind of stuff. And it's different for different people. Um, Sure. Have you experienced I I feel a little fatigued sometimes. Um, Sometimes it's a little more difficult than usual to get my breath back from if I'm doing something a little bit more uh, 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 extenuous than mm-hmm. what I'm normally doing. But uh, uh, no, I mean, the doctor said that I might have a little scar tissue in my lungs for a little bit, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I feel real good. I I went home on oxygen. Uh, at that point, I was three per, or three liters three of liters. oxygen, um, and then I uh, briskly worked myself down to none by uh, following the holidays. Mm-hmm. So I was able to um, get uh, get a couple days past Christmas and get completely off oxygen. How ready were you to come back to work? I was ready, <laughs> believe it or not. I was really ready to come back to work yeah. because, you know, I had um, I had my computer and everything with me. And uh, so when I got home on the oxygen, I opened my computer and I looked at all the emails that were there and uh, all the work that needs to be done. And, of course, I mean... For most people, um, you want to get after that. Yeah, <laughs> you want to get get that stuff knocked out. So it was. Um, I, I want to say this about my friend Frank. He's one of the. Um, he has one of the most. I, I I don't know, amazing work ethics of anybody I've ever known, and we call him a grinder. <laughs> he comes in. He's at work from the minute he gets here until the minute it's time to go home. That's how hard this man works. And I just can't imagine what it was like to see all the stuff that you needed to do and going, I got to get this done. (laughs) Well, well, thank you. Uh, You know, it's just, it's just how I was raised. Sure. My my dad was a 23 year Marine. Um, Wow. And he, when he asked for something to be done, 
he he expected it to be done right right completely right and now (laughs) and now (laughs) and so with that um yeah that was that was just kind of the atmosphere that we were put in as children to say we better get this done right did you do your brothers have the same my brothers have the same same mentality Uh they are uh incredibly driven uh men uh, Scott Rest His Soul was a vice president of Comcast mm. Engineering. Mm. Um, my brother Mark was a business owner um, that did very, very well. Were they, bo- were they both older than you? They were both older than me. Okay. Yeah, I went through childhood um, getting lip poles and uh, ear tugs and those, you know, those little... Chinese frog things <laughs> that they do. They hit you with their knuckle and oh, watch yeah, your yeah. skin rise. You're the recipient but, of... But, I, you know, even through all that, I had a feeling they still loved me. Yeah. But I couldn't have been sure at that time. <laughs> but I had that feeling, and sure enough, later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having yeah. an older brother, I, I, I remember things like he had a BB gun, it was my BB gun. He says, let me see that. And I go, no, because you shoot me with it. No, I won't. And I, so I gave it to him. And he says, okay, take off running. Right, right. <laughs> now, my, 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 little, my little sister got the brunt of a lot of that because I would always <laughs> hide behind doors and everything else yeah. and sneak out and scare her to death. Or I would do something like that. Yeah. So I got some relief from my, from, from my brother's making me a better man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, to speak, so to speak, to, uh, to being able to, uh, make my younger sister a better woman. There you so. go. It's, it's all about giving. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so, um, take away, what do you take away from, you already said earlier in the, in the interview that you felt like it was a blessing. Um, and it's hard to describe something like this disease as a blessing. What is your takeaway from this experience? My, my takeaway in what I've learned from this um, experience is how important love is. Mm-hmm. People are around you. Uh, how important it is to shine God's light so people can love you with that real and that true love. Mm. Um, how important it is, uh, how, how important prayer is, is incredible. When you can feel prayer and presence in such a way um, that it almost feels like a weighted blanket, or a tingle to your body, or anything. I love that analogy, a weighted blanket. That's, gosh, what a great description. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, when you can feel it like that, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, And it opens your eyes and your heart and your mind to say, you know, what can I do more in my life to always feel that love? That, that embrace. Um, it, it, you gave me vocabulary for that. What can you do? What can we do in our life, lives 
to express God's faithfulness. Exactly. Yep. That's absolutely what it is. Yep. Because you know when you shine his light, yep. his love, you show his you show and expose his love and grace to others. That's what I take away from that. Yeah. Do better. Yeah. Um shine God's light. I had an experience and I've talked about it now for the last three podcasts. So if you've heard these, you're and you're getting sick of hearing me say this. Okay, but I think it's important. I got mad at God the other night. It's been about two weeks. And in this emotional state, I said things that probably should have gotten me struck down. And they were not kind. They were anger, and I meant it. I was angry. And when it was over, I've done this before, and when it was over, I would always go, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said all that stuff, I'm sorry. This time I didn't. This time I I lingered and I said, I am not sorry for saying this because you're not doing what I thought he should do. So after that was over, I heard God say, now, I don't know how you hear God, but I hear him. I hear him in my head. Sure. I recognize his voice. And he said to me, I'm going to give you a verse out of Job. And at that moment, it was like I felt God taking this belt off and getting ready to to use it on me. And, of course, that's not what he was doing, but it just kind of felt like, oh, gosh, this can't be good. And it was, it was Job 38, verse 2. And the verse says, Who is it that darkens my counsel with words that lack wisdom? And he said, I want you to focus on the word darken. So I did a I did a study and it means whatever comes between light and it's the shadow that it casts we stand in God's light it is impossible for God to turn his back on us but in that moment I turned my back on God and what I saw was my shadow his light cast mm-hmm. through on my body and my shadow and he said your shadow is is looks like you, but it has no substance. Your words came out of that shadow and they were darkened. And I love that God was tells me this stuff because in my emotion, I use words that come out of my shadow and they have no substance, they have no meaning, and they have no impact on who God is or even who I am. That's the importance of understanding um, God. Uh, standing in God's shining light. As long as we're faced him, we're in that light. But the moment we turn our back, we stand in our own shadow. That is absolutely right. That's yeah. a fantastic analogy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, 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 I appreciate you using that word, shine God's light, because it's really not, it's a reflection. Mm-hmm. God shines his light and we get to reflect that. That's absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of the things, one probably one of the biggest things, how important that is uh, for me to learn. Yeah, all of us. Sure. All of us need to learn that because we get so focused on our circumstances. And God's outside of that. Circumstances can be used to remind us that we're standing in his light when we forget that truth. 
So that's, that's, that's an awesome, awesome analogy of what God, who God is, and it's his light on us. Um, so you're going to, have you had the opportunity to share this experience with others? Um, no, but <laughs> with I, the exception, I get to be the one. <laughs> you, you get, you get to be the one, um, there, there's people that I've talked sure. to and and have expressed my grateful, full gratefulness mm-hmm. uh, for their prayers and um, for the fact that you know I did feel their presence, mm-hmm. um, God's presence. Um, you know, I probably spent more time just at home just trying to fully recover. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that, you know, I've been to work for a week, a little right out about a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, uh, just trying to, to, you know, get my feet on the ground and get back at it and, and do those things that I've learned. And that is to start really, shining that light that is going to bring about love. And, uh, you know, John 14, I I think it starts with this. John 14 verse one says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I've studied that verse and studied that verse. And the word if is not the right word. It's not interpreted. It should, it should be since that since you love me, you will keep your my commands because I'm the one that's keeping them in you. That's exactly and he's right. And ta- he's not talking about the 10. He's talking about the two that he gave in Matthew, and I can't remember the other one, about love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Mm-hmm. And the other one is equally love love others as you love yourself. Well, and in love is the greatest of these. Yes. And that's important to know, too, is that uh, that's what we want. Yeah. All of us want. Uh, we want to be loved. And God directly tells us how to do that. Yes. And how, empowers us to do that. Empowers us to do yes. that. And that's, I, I think that's something that I never always put in true, real perspective of how important that is. Here's my takeaway, Frank, is that this disease is awful, hideous, and I think manufactured. Regardless, if we contract this disease and you're in a hospital isolated, the thing that you have said in this whole interview you were never alone that's exactly right we're never alone in christ that's right and that is the that is something that also you know we need to take and and realize tremendously um in order to bring about that love is to understand that god's presence is with us always 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 it, he says it in that same passage in 14, he says, um, forever. He uses the word, I will abide in you forever. Yep. And that's, 
you demonstrated that truth. I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you being sharing this with us. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. It's been, been my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry, and we are out.